everyone, I'm Brian Ingraham. Welcome back to episode 7 of the Reawakening Podcast. My heart is to see our whole generation reawakened, to walk in fresh, close, long-lasting, life-giving connection to the God of the Bible. Now, I know it's been a while since my last podcast, uh, mainly because I'm in the middle of uh, the first sabbatical of my life, which has thus far been an incredible experience. It's been a very spiritual experience for me, one of seeking God in prayer and, and fasting and also spending about a month in the Holy Land, walking and praying in and around the land of the Bible. A pretty incredible experience. I was told that the trick about returning home from Israel can be that so much of what really impacts you is often in your soul. And so often words fall short of really capturing what your what your experience was like. And, and that's definitely my experience. It's, it's definitely true with me. I, I feel like my time in the Holy Land was like having good soul surgery. Like God operating gently and wonderfully on my on my soul. It was a time of looking back at my life receiving a bit of gentle correction. Yeah, I, th- I think soul surgery is a, is a good good phrase, a good concept, a good way to describe my time in, in Israel and also in Jordan, as well as the days leading up to the trip. I, I feel like God is doing some big things in my heart, in my soul, and and I wonder what the, the end results are going to be after all of this. Anyways, I got I got a couple more months of, of sabbatical. We'll see what happens. Today, I want to talk about something that I've been learning and experiencing in the last two months. A thing which I want to call waiting prayer. Now, there's two types of waiting prayer. The first type, which I'm not focusing on today, is the type seen in Psalm 130, where the psalmist is praying a prayer as he waits on God to act, to intervene. Now, this is the kind of waiting prayer that I have the most experience with. That's the kind of prayer that, that you're waiting and you're praying. And, and, and your waiting prayer is, is persistent in that, in that type of prayer. It's persistent, that never giving up on, on praying and asking God to intervene, never giving up on pleading for God to hear your prayer and act. I think of the persistent widow all the time in Jesus' parable in Luke chapter 18, praying and pleading for, for justice. Or like David, uh, when he writes in Psalm 30, 130, actually it doesn't say David, the, whoever wrote Psalm 130, how it says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. You know, like, please, please hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy or help or, or whatever. Waiting prayer is persistent. God, hear me, act, you know, pay attention. It's also self-examining. While you're waiting for God to answer your prayers and your pleadings, you can be processing like how much love and, and grace God has already shown you and and you can you can be processing like maybe some some natural undeservedness, maybe your own imperfection. I know that in Psalm 130 it also says, if you should keep a record of sin, Oh Lord, who could stand? But with you there's forgiveness, therefore you're feared or honored or respected or, or yeah, revered. This idea of, of introspection, self-examining, keeping, keeping us humble as we wait on God, instead of feeling entitled, uh, feeling, feeling humble as we're persistently waiting on God to answer our prayers. Waiting, waiting prayer is, is also resiliently anchored in God's word and in his promises and in his character. Uh, it, it says in Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. 
my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. God says he hears us. He says that he cares about us. While we're waiting for God to answer our prayers, we don't go off in wrong thinking, turning against the true character of God who genuinely does care about you and who is paying attention. It's so easy when our, when our prayers feel delayed to turn against the character of God. Oh, he doesn't care about me. He's not paying attention. No, 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 no. We resiliently stay anchored no matter how long our praying lasts in, in God's character and who he is and what we know him to be like and in his promises in the Bible. Waiting prayer resiliently anchors itself into the word. Waiting prayer stays alert and attentive to the activity of God, and I, and I guess also the, the enemy. In Psalm 130, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchman waits for the morning. And it says it again, more than watchman waits for the morning. Th this idea of whilst we're waiting in prayer, eagerly looking and attentive, looking and looking to see if there's evidences at, at, that we can see now of God working at work, bringing about our promises. Sometimes when we have been waiting for a while, we stop looking for answered prayer. We stop watching. We, sp we stop expecting. Waiting in faith as we pray for, for God to answer our prayers continues to watch eagerly for evidences of God's intervention. Waiting prayer also, it keeps its hope in God, what he's like and what he does. It said in Psalm 130, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is full forgiveness. We never give up hope because we know what our God is like and we know what he's done. Waiting prayer also, finally, it stays expectant. It doesn't lose heart when it takes too long for your prayers to be answered. It, it keeps believing. And like the psalm writer says, and, and he will redeem Israel from all their sins. In, in that case, in Psalm, in, in psalm 130 there, it, it says that the people, well, I guess it appears that the people look like they're in a mess of their own making due to not following God well, due to sin, due to disobedience. And, and now they're calling on God to forgive them and, and help them. It's easy when waiting to feel unworthy of God answering your prayers because of this sin or that sin or whatever. But we just keep seeking and we keep praying and we keep waiting for God to answer our prayers as we, as we lean in, never giving up in persistence. But we're also continuing to stay humble before God, knowing that grace flows to the humble and the repentant. Okay, now that is the first kind of waiting prayer. Okay, that's the kind of waiting prayer I'm most familiar with. Persevering in prayer and faith and expectation when, when nothing seems to be happening and you're most desperate for God's help. But there's a second kind of waiting prayer that I've been learning about this sabbatical. And, and it's, it's the powerful practice of waiting in the process of a prayer time. Waiting whilst praying. It's, it's like you come to God in, in prayer and you just wait in his presence for him to show up, for him to speak, or whatever he wants to do. So in December, Kelly, my wife, and I were out with some great friends, McKay and Rajada, in Rome. And when we got there, it was raining. And so we were like, okay, what are we going to do in Rome in the rain? And I was like, well, 
How about let's go see the catacombs? I mean, they're underground. It sounded like a good activity to do in the rain. So we did that. And the catacombs we went to were like 13 miles in length, something like that, spread out over five different levels. They were dug by the Christians who believed in the resurrection of the dead and they didn't want to burn their, their dead. Um, so they dug these tunnels to bury, to bury them. And in these tunnels, there's lots of ancient Christian art from the earliest centuries of the church. Eventually, after a few hundred years, they were sealed, and then, then they were lost, actually, for, for like 1,500 years or something like that. But now they've been found, rediscovered, and it was fascinating to see some of the art from the earliest days of the church. And one of the things that's everywhere in these catacombs is paintings of people praying. But the thing that struck me about the pictures was that their prayer posture is different than what is normal today. In our day, we tend to fold our hands in more of a posture of pleading, like, God, please hear my prayer. But back then, the prayer posture was one of looking up to heaven with arms out wide in a receiving posture, kind of like, God, here I am. I'm here to receive Whatever you'd want to give me now, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, God, I am here. I'm waiting in your presence to receive from you. So that caught my attention and I asked the guide about it and she said that the common prayer posture changed in the Middle Ages. I don't know if this is true or not, but she, she said it changed in the Middle Ages to more of a pleading posture, but the early years of the church, the, the prayer posture was that of waiting to receive from God whatever he wanted to say or do. And I guess that kind of reminds me that posture is communication. The posture that we take while praying communicates and impacts the kinds of prayer we, we pray. It impacts, it impacts the way that we're even thinking about prayer. If I have my hands folded in the pleading posture, often my prayers reflect pleading. But what happens when I change postures is my prayers and the attitude or heart behind them is impacted. So I want to talk about waiting prayer, which is different than pleading prayer. And I want to talk about going to God in a posture, inside and out, of waiting on Him to give you whatever He wants to give you. Waiting prayer is powerful. Let me give you an example of this from the Bible. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 15, uh, it's it's a story about this guy named this king named Jehoshaphat and how and how there's this crisis. There's the Moabites and Ammonites and some otherites. They they come to fight against Jehoshaphat and Jehoshaphat and the people are 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 terrified and they they they, they don't know what to do and so they resolve to seek the Lord and so Jehoshaphat proclaims a fast and gathers all the people together to to seek God. And then Jehoshaphat stands up and he prays a prayer, a, very, a specific prayer. And he says, you know, God, here's our situation. God sees it, but he, he lays it out there. And then after he finishes praying, that's not the end. Then the people wait in the presence of God for God to speak or to show up or, or just for whatever God's going to do. And it said this in chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, verse 13. It said, All Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives, and their children. Okay, that was them waiting. 
the, the, the prayer had happened, the prayer had begun, Jehoshaphat had said the prayer, but now they are in waiting prayer, standing before the Lord, like their whole family, everybody just standing before the Lord. God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then it goes on to say, in the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Je- Okay, It doesn't matter. He's got a big descendant thing going on there. And then it says, that guy stood up and said, listen carefully, all Judah and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And then this guy goes on and, and he gives the instructions of basically to go praise and, and, uh, and God's going to take care of the battle and they, they won't even have to fight. But that's an example in, in the Bible of, of God's people gathering together and just waiting, waiting in God in prayer. They, they had pleaded, Jehoshaphat gave that prayer, but then they were going to wait for God's answer, just standing before him. Then at some point, the Spirit shows up. And they get to hear God's plan. Now, I love this. Waiting in the presence of God. Not praying, 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 but just still. In in their case, standing. Waiting in the presence of God for Him to show up and direct them in their time of desperation. In their time of fear. In their time of need. In in your time of fear, is it like, God, ah, in that pleading posture? Or is it arms open, maybe looking up to heaven, God, God, what do you want? What do you want from me? In Isaiah chapter 40, there's this famous passage about God renewing our strength, right? And so that we can run and, and not grow weary, mount up on, on, on soar on wings like eagles and, and not get faint and all that kind of stuff. But that passage starts off with one of my least favorite words. It, it, it says, those who wait on the Lord. He will renew their strength. And again, I love that verse, except for the word wait. How about I not wait, and instead, God just fills me with strength and energy as I keep pushing on forward. No, it says those who wait, those who wait on the Lord. I had a similar experience to Jehoshaphat when I was in Jerusalem a couple weeks ago on my last free day there. See, my, my time in the Holy Land was incredible. And it just had a powerful impact on my heart. I, I felt like so many days, God was doing a good and powerful surgery on my heart. And it was a season of introspection, of looking back, of looking at the state of my soul and making some minor tweaks and adjustments. What it wasn't really was forward-looking or addressing some of my current, continued, long-lasting, unanswered prayer requests. And although I'm really thankful for the soul surgery, at the end of my trip, I was feeling more and more troubled about the silence, about about not having addressed any of my current unanswered prayers, the ones that I've been persistently praying for a long time. So on my last day off, I I walked down to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, a a place I went several times, really actually every moment I could to, to pray. This church is at the location where it seems very, very likely that Jesus was crucified and buried and raised from the dead. The, the church covers the whole area where it's most likely all to have taken place, really, really likely to have taken place. So my usual practice was to go to the area where Jesus was crucified and, and pray there. And 
Now, it's kind of a smallish area for, for being one of the most significant locations on the planet, in my humble opinion. And most people crowd into a very non-British queue, kind of a, a mob that eventually becomes a line for the last three people or so. And what they're wanting to do is, see, there's this hole under a table just big enough for you to reach your hand through the floor and touch the actual limestone rock of Golgotha, the actual top of the hill where Jesus was crucified. Of course, I did that a few times, but but usually I, I wouldn't get in the very non-British queue. And instead, I would sit down on the bench at, at a particular spot about five meters away. So, so pretty close, where I could just see where the cross was and I could pray. I could sit there undisturbed from the press of people or from the, the rush of time, and I could just, I could just pray there. there. There's so much I could say about what it was like for me to sit there where, where Jesus was actually crucified and to pray. So often in my mind, I'll picture the foot of the cross and when I'm sitting on my sofa or when I'm, when I'm, when I'm in a time of prayer, and, and I picture the foot of the cross coming and laying my burdens at the feet of Jesus, my fears at the feet of Jesus, my questions at the feet of Jesus. But for that month, the month of January here, I could go to the real location. It's pretty incredible. And, and lay my burdens and bring my burdens before Jesus right there. Okay, now that's not the point there, but it's still pretty special. On the last day, my bench was taken. Somebody was sitting there. And so I stood as close as I could get without being in the line. And we're talking about two meters away or so. And, and so I stood there praying. But then I noticed on my left side was this Armenian guy. Armenian guy. Okay, actually, honestly, I have no idea if he was Armenian or not. I don't, I don't know if he spoke English. I don't know what language he spoke. I have no idea what country he was from at all. I never spoke to him, but he looked Armenian to me and he had a big impact on my life in the moment. So I, I think of him as my Armenian friend. So the context is I'm standing there next to this guy and there's this very crowded area full of people, kind of, kind of a room, but kind of, kind of a balcony, but an area full of people wanting to touch the rock of Golgotha. And my, my Armenian brother, who is standing next to me, simply and silently got down on his knees. Back straight, not face to the ground, just on his knees, looking at the cross, looking at the top of the hill there, not saying a word, just kneeling there and looking at where the cross was. Now, nobody else was doing that at this particular moment, but I felt inspired and challenged. And so in this room full of people, I got down on my knees right next to my, my Armenian friend here. And I just knelt there like he was, back straight, looking at where the cross had been. Now, this posture massively impacted my prayers. Very different from sitting on the bench just a few feet away. And also very different from my usual kneeling posture, which looks more like a pleading, begging posture. This was a simple, peaceful kneeling at the foot of the cross. And mostly, I wasn't praying. Every once in a while, I'd be like, Jesus, here I am kneeling before my king. You are my king. You bought me here on the cross on this hill. I belong to you. Here I am. Here is my desperate prayer request, but you are my king and I'm here kneeling before you. Is there anything that my king has for me? Mostly though, I, I didn't pray. I just knelt there. How long did I kneel there? I don't know. Maybe 20 minutes, maybe 
maybe 30 minutes, no idea. And yes, the stone floor hurt my knees quite a bit and my back really started hurting after a while as well. I, I sound pretty old. I, I might be getting there. I don't know. But, but I, I didn't try to get comfortable. I just knelt there next to my Armenian mentor. Now he's a mentor. Uh, before the, the cross of Jesus. Now I wasn't in the pleading posture. I was in the kneeling and waiting posture. I was just waiting in prayer. Just kneeling there, waiting, waiting for God to show up. And again, a long time went by when all of a sudden... Something happened I wasn't expecting or asking for, or honestly, I don't even know to this moment exactly what it means, but something happened. And after kneeling there for a long time, all of a sudden I felt this strong tingling on my head. Now, I don't have any hair, so it's not like the wind was blowing through my hair or anything like that. Instead, it felt like anointing oil was being poured out on my head, and I could feel it, a lot of it, running down my head and in my beard. I mean, I could feel it for hours after this moment. Just just felt like this, this oil was poured all over my head and, and in my beard. And Again, I don't know what happened at this moment. I don't know exactly what the anointing was specifically yet. I'm sure I will over the next year or so. But what I do know is I spent time waiting in prayer, not pleading, just kneeling before Jesus waiting when all of a sudden he anointed me. He anointed me with something. I wasn't seeking an anointing. I was just waiting for whatever God might want to say or whatever God might want to do, or whatever. And it seems like what he wanted to do wasn't to answer my my pleading prayer at that moment, but instead to give me an anointing of some sort. Now, just to be clear, you, you don't have to kneel to pray, but posture does impact our prayers. And I found kneeling helpful to put me in a heart position of submission to Jesus as my king, as if I'm, I'm there kneeling, waiting for his orders. Now, Jesus, I know he knelt a few times himself, but there's lots of other prayer postures in the Bible, like standing, what we saw in Jehoshaphat's story, or dancing, or bowing heads, or shouting, or clapping, or lifting holy hands in prayer. My challenge for you this week is to practice waiting prayer, physically kneeling before Jesus for a longer period of time, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, not in the pleading position, like, Jesus, please answer my prayer, but in arms open God, I am here to receive whatever you would have. Now, I, my, my, my guess is, is that the position will help you stay focused. Your posture will help you stay focused instead of maybe sit, sitting on the couch and just trying to stay in a listening, waiting posture. I think that the, the, the position of kneeling will, will help you stay in the prayer posture, in that waiting position. I don't know what your experience is going to be. Mine was unexpected. It wasn't even asked for, but still... Waiting prayer is about coming before Jesus for whatever he's thinking, not whatever we're thinking. And I bet my Arminian friend, mentor, whoever he was, had a, had a different experience than I did, even though we were right next to each other at the same time, at the same place. Jesus probably had something very different for him. What will your experience be? I don't know, but why don't you give it a go? Maybe even a few times. One special moment where God shows up can change your life forever. I hope you found this podcast to be both challenging and, and helpful and, and maybe um, giving you a new tool in your, in your spiritual toolbox. 
If you enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful or think someone you know might find it helpful, I encourage you to please take a moment and help get the word out about this podcast. You can do that in one of three significant ways. You can subscribe to this podcast. The plan is to release a new podcast every third Wednesday of the month. If you hit the subscribe button, you'll be alerted when the next podcast is available. I understand that that hasn't been the case for the last couple of months while I've been on sabbatical, but here we go. Here's one. Um, but yeah, subscribe to this podcast. You can rate and review this on iTunes. This is huge and it only takes a few seconds. And then get the word out on social media. If you find this is helpful to you, it might also be helpful to someone else. It'd be huge if you would take 20 seconds to share this on social media and get the word out. I mean, who knows? But I think it's quite possible that some of the people who are following you on social media might be feeling further from God than they would prefer and might be wondering how they can rekindle that closeness or take their next steps with God. Again, thank you for rating this and reviewing this and getting the word out. It makes a big difference. And specifically, it helps other people who are feeling stuck and dissatisfied with where their heart with God might be to maybe find some help that they're looking for. Thank you. My heart is to see our whole generation reawakened to walk in fresh, close, long-lasting, life-giving connection to the God of the Bible. Some people can fumble through this path alone, but everyone does exponentially better with help. 